the next day we were all going out to audition and it's weird. They put me in Kate McKinnon's dressing room and I was like, you know, it's hollow ground. And so you're, I, yeah. I brought, I brought some really small headshots of mine and I, I hit them in a room. <laughs> I was like, I always want a piece of me to be at 8H, you know, even if That's I good. screw up really bad. And so I put Do you think one, they're still there? Yes. Okay. Wait, where, where is it hidden? So Kate, if you're listening, uh, there's one on top of her door. Like if, if the door is an inch, <laughs> if the door is an inch wide, there's one that is exactly on top of the door. So no one will ever find that unless they replace the door. Yeah. Uh, there was one on, on the bottom of her trash can and one underneath her desk. Oh, did you? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> before we talk anymore, it tells stories that I want to hear, and I was, wish we would have recorded them. Yeah. Jeff, is it Jeff Dow? Yeah. Because you have a Facebook name. Yes. And I was like, gonna so, Jeffrey Dow. My full name is Jeffrey Dow McQuilkin, and so when I do anything that is my like business facing stuff, if I don't want my business contacts in the logistics world to look up all of my like poop videos. Oh, I hell just, yeah. I go by Jeff McQuilkin and everything in the, in, in the comedy world I do Jeff Dow. That's so smart. It's partially an homage to my grandfather who wanted to be in show business. So his, he was George Dow. And so I have his middle name as my, his, his last name is my middle name. So I use it. Jeffrey Dow. People think it's weird though. People think I have a weird double life and then I have all these skeletons in my closet. But it's just, it's easier to say. When you got poop videos too. Yeah. Well, it's, they're comedic I, poop videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not anything that I would be embarrassed about people seeing. But, you know, if I'm doing a deal with some company, it's important that they don't see the poop videos as the first thing. Because those people, they Google you when you go in for meetings oh, yeah. with them. Uh, and I didn't want that, you know, I didn't want that to come up first. Even though they're good. Some of them are good. So Jeff, uh, as you may have already uh, realized, is a comedian improviser here in Chicago, and uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit this past spring, when we or late winter, when we were climbing together. Yeah, I'd I'd always known of you. I think for like three or four years. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen your work. Yep, I I knew that you were funny. I'd seen you perform, but then, uh, yeah, we just ran into each other at the gym, and I was like. I need a gym friend. Can you be my friend? And you were like, absolutely. And I was like, this is great. Gym, gym friendships are the best. Yeah. You've had the opportunity to kill me probably a hundred <laughs> yeah. times and you didn't do Likewise. It. Yeah. It's, it's one of those weird things where I think when you're climbing with somebody, it's one of those things that forces a bond or naturally generates a bond a little bit faster than you would otherwise. Because you're, you're talking. Yeah. You're, you're literally, their life is literally in your hands. Oh, yeah. I mean, every single time. Also, I feel like... I feel like exercise and like hanging out is a nice combination. Yeah. It's, it's cause you get to go up on the wall for a while, you get to focus on something and then you're like, "Oh yeah." Yeah. Although it's not like let's go sit and have coffee for 2 hours. Right, and do nothing. Cuz you always want anytime you're, you know, bonding with someone, you <laughs> want that side activity to be like, "Oh, we're working on this." But yeah, we can yeah, also yeah. talk about it. And, and you don't get that. For me, I hadn't had anything like that really since high school. Oh, because you know you're on a team sports, with somebody. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, okay, well, there's a timeout. Let's talk about stuff. And climbing is like definitely one of those sports where you get to know like your climbing partners really well. Because you, I mean, you go in and climb, and like you have to block out minimum two hours, right? Wouldn't you say? Yes. T- two to three hours. Oh. To make it worth it, I would say average. Yeah, right around two hours. Yeah. And then, 
Yeah. I I mean we were going I was going three times. You want to pull this a little closer? I here? think we were we were going three times a week. Yeah, I think so. For a long time, and then that uh, that thing happened. I remember the last that time I saw happened. you, you were set. You had to cancel your trip to Germany, right? Or, yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to be teaching in Barcelona, and then going on a trip to like Italy, yeah. <laughs> Northern Italy, oh, in Germany. I felt so bad. And then the pandemic. I told my wife I was coming over here. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go do Johnny's podcast," and she was like, "Oh." I can't believe they didn't get to go to Europe. <laughs> I, like, I, know. Oh, I love that she's invested in that too. <laughs> she was. She was devastated by that, just so you know. Second it was to the point, though, where it was like, it would have not been fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were, it was like, ooh, good thing like there's a pandemic so we can get our tickets refunded. Yeah. Because if we went to Wanda, like, gone there a week earlier and just had to like hang out in a room. and The, the conversation that we were having was you didn't want to go there and get stuck there. Yeah. Which would have happened. It would have happened for sure. It would have happened for sure. Because then I think within two weeks, it was like no one from Europe was, was cool was to come back, back for a while without <laughs> without a, a big quarantine. That would have been bad. So I, I want to go back to poop videos. Oh, sure. What are the videos you have on YouTube, Jeff, that you have to hide? Um, because I certainly have some. <laughs> yeah. And one is literally a poop video. Yes, so the poop video that I'm talking about is uh, is a video that I wrote, and so I'm fully responsible for. And it was me mm-hmm. and Sam Beaver and Susan Glenn. And the idea is that I'm a doctor, and uh, this this couple is very serious. They come in, and they say, you know, tell us what's wrong with our baby or something, or we've got an issue. And then uh, I say, well, um, you know, it's everything looks normal, but it's uh, it's a poopy. Uh, and so we're doing like a um, what do they call those? The ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's a poopy. And then they just keep saying, but is it healthy and, and things like that? And I say, yes, but you should understand that it is a poopy. And they say, is it normal? And I say, no, this is a lot of poopy. Uh, and it's maybe two minutes long. And so that was, that was the one that I was directly referencing. But, but you know, when you start out in comedy, you're not as funny as you get to be. And so now I have, I, you know, I spent probably the first two years in Chicago just being like, Hey, do you want to go make videos? Oh yeah. And so there's a lot of them out there that I, th- I think are big stinkers. Literally. Some are good. Some are good. But yeah, some are literally those, those poop videos. I have a poop video. It's um, yeah. my friend Josiah Jenkins and I. Mm-hmm. Um, Josiah is now in LA. But we... Um, of course. God, what was it? It was... <laughs> I think it still might be on YouTube. I may have not taken it off. It was like... <laughs> it was the most fourth grade sense of humor. It was like he was a roommate in the living room and I was like sitting on the toilet and I'm like, Hey, buddy. Is there any um? Is there any toilet paper roll out? <laughs> and he's like, comes into the bathroom. He's like, all I have is these Christmas napkins. <laughs> and then it goes into me not feeling very good, and I'm like, I don't feel good. And like, I barfed on him. Yeah. He barfs on me. <laughs> I turn around to barf in the toilet. Oh. I shit on him. Yes. Yeah. And it's like the most foul fourth grade boy sense of humor ever it sounds so good my mom actually wrote me afterwards she goes i know i shouldn't but i love that no i love that that's cool people yeah you know people don't always want to admit their poop humor and you know that's that's true but it it really is good it's one of those things that's universal i mean across so universal across all cultures you know a a fart joke plays (laughs) yeah it does and 
Oh God, that's interesting that your mom thinks that's cool. Cause my mom recently saw my Twitter and went through it and she said, I think that you should change your photo. Cause it's like, it's a little bit odd and weird. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And so she was, she was being very, and I have a lot of poop jokes on Twitter. Um, I just started Twitter over the last year. Oh, okay. And so, and so she, she explored that when she was visiting uh, and she was like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't good humor for some of these. And she said, some of them aren't even jokes. And I said, okay, okay, cool. Very judgmental. Oh, really? So like you, you trusted her sensibility of, uh, was it because it was like too blue or was it because it was just not funny? I, <laughs> she didn't I, like them because they weren't funny. Enough. I think some of them are a little bit meta and she'd be like, well, why would, why would we, why would someone punch the moon in the, in the moon's penis or something like that? And I'd be like, thinking about the moon's penis is, is humorous by itself. And this is my take on it. And she'd be like, that's not humorous. And I'd say, well, I, I was like, I'll delete some, but some are good. Does your mom usually like your comedy? No, 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 no. So she was she also said, my my parents are um, lovely, wonderful people. They're very evangelical Christian. That's right. I forget about that. I, they, you know, even on their own terms, they mostly wouldn't even watch like a PG thirteen movie. On their own terms. Yeah, yeah. Like just a general like, they've got. A, was swearing awful in your house? Oh, I never swore in front of my parents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you not swear a lot today? No, I think I do, but it's it's always forced. Yeah. Okay. My mom uh, swore like a sailor, but then my brother-in-law, his his family was no swears, and when I swear in front of him, I sometimes see him go like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and it's just, it's, it's it's that's so foreign to me because swearing was very welcome in my household. Interesting, yeah. but you have an insight into like, can you turn it off if you need to, like, and just like keep it off. When I, no, I, I don't do a great job of that. If you were in front of children, would you have the wherewithal to turn it off and keep it off? Yes, I think so. But okay. I, but like I have a I have a seven month old daughter now, and uh, who's super cute. She's super cute. And if you're wondering what she looks like and you're watching this on YouTube, she looks exactly like that, <laughs> like looks, Jeff. <laughs> yes, she looks. Ex- it looks when I'm holding her, I, I feel like it's me. Uh, but she has started a thing where when you feed her, she, she's learning how to go up and like, and do that. And so you'll put some food in. And the first time she did it, she sprayed food all over me. And I said, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I realized I'm talking to a (laughs) seventh month old child. And then, you know, my wife came up and she was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I was like, we both just swore. And she's like, no. Seven. So seven months, like probably in the next few months, she'll start saying, some things. Some she, things she says like dad 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 Uh-oh. dad but she doesn't know it's me she's just making sounds interesting which is kind of a bummer but no she, she's great i think after five months she started to get fun she started smiling a lot and laughing and because in the first five months they're just a sack of they're potatoes like slate. yeah and then they poop all over the place and it's not that fun i love that you're uh tell everybody your mom's pitch for why you should she talked you into having a baby right your she mom did. did she did not, not your wife your mom so there are two reasons that i think i came around well a couple reasons so you know i don't know kids are expensive they're loud i've never really felt i've never felt any connection to any kids that i've ever met you know i've never okay. been like oh this is a cool kid i wish i had a kid like this i, I think all kids are really annoying and i don't know why but like, you know have you have you ever had a kid where you're just like oh like if i had a kid i hope it ends up like you oh yeah for sure I do better with kids in general, but like, oh, you're, there's definitely some keepers. And you're like a, a lot of duds. Yeah, yeah. I teach kids and adults. Um, they're it's a whole different dynamic when they're in a group. Okay, 
They're oh, it's they're awful in the group. Yes. Okay. So my mom, she said she said you love dogs, and I said yes, I love dogs, and I did. It's true. I love dogs, puppies. I will. I will. I would kill a human being for a puppy. And she said, <laughs> if you like puppies, a baby is like a puppy, but once it gets to be two years old, it starts talking to you, and it's very cool because. You know, it's kind of like a Pokemon, right? And you're growing it and growing it and, and putting all this investment in. And then later on, it's like it's one of your buddies. Uh, and it calls you a couple times a week. And I was like, that, that's interesting. And, and you know, she said that she didn't want kids originally, which is an interesting thing to tell your kids. Yeah. And are you a single or an only child? No, 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 no. I have an older a sister who's four years older, a half brother, a stepbrother. And that's it. Okay. And, so they made the choice multiple times. Yes. Yes. They they made the choice multiple times. Well, my f- the first girl, my sister, was very good. <laughs> very, she was a, she was a strong. It was very good. She was. She was a really strong candidate. She was a little bit wild in high school, but she was like straight A's through high school without trying. She was class president at Cornell. She runs her own investment uh, or private equity firm now. Successful. She's successful, which kind of sucks. But she's uh, but she's super nice, um, very down to earth. And so they were like, okay, this first one went well. We'll have one more. Uh, and that was me. And I, I was, I was more calm than she was, but a little bit more of a dud for a while, you know, just, just like, you know, I got bees in, in school and that was cool. But anyway, so she was like, if you have a dog, you'll like having a baby. And that was cool. And then I read a book that made me a little bit more hopeful about, uh, the future. The, the I think it's called enlightenment now by Steve Pinkerton. Okay. And so this book was essentially like people are very negative about their outlook on the future, but if you look, if there was a newspaper every 50 years, you'd be blown away by how, how high the standards of live of living have gotten for, you know, even you know, the, the lowest 5% of the most impoverished people that those people can still have cell phones and access to washing machines and running water and things like that. Um, and just a bunch of different lessons on, on how things have gotten better from, uh-huh. uh, you know, rights, uh, human rights, rights violations and, uh, standards of living. And so I was like, okay, well, if the world is getting a little bit better, even though it's getting worse in some ways, um, but the general direction is, is towards a better future then I feel more ethical about having yeah, a baby. Yeah. 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 If that makes sense. Yeah. I understand that. Cause, Cause some people feel, they feel like having a kid is, is unethical. You know, because Matt and I aren't having a baby naturally together. Sure. I've kind of been of the mindset that like, I don't think I would feel, mm, I think we'd adopt if possible. We might not be able to adopt, you know? Yeah. But I would feel like going through the trouble of having a surrogate and bringing another person into the world when I don't, I don't know. There's, there's no judgment on anyone else, but I, I would feel judgment. if the kid got messed up right? and I didn't, I just, I adopted them. Yes. Like I brought them into my life to try to make their life better. Of course. That's right? a saintly thing to do. And then they went, they went poorly. Yeah. Then I'd be like, Was this okay. Oh, I'd be, actually I would have been like, not my genetics. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not me. That part, not me. Nature. And like we tried our best. Right. We nurture. We did the nurture, nurture part. part. The nature part messed up. That's. I had a girl in my high school who uh, sh- she was a uh, she was adopted into a really nice family, and <clears throat> she she did the same thing that her birth mother did. She she had a kid at at, at eighteen, seventeen. Yeah, you or 18. hear a lot of stories like that. Yeah, which is that's tough. That's a that's a horror story. I think for a lot of potential adopters. Yeah. Yeah. My um, my brother said something to me. Uh, real jarring about why he would want to have kids so my brother 
uh, it's also gay. Yeah. And like, so they would adopt her to a surrogate or something like that. Okay. Um, but uh, he is like, I want children. So I have people around me on my deathbed. Mm. And I'm like, wow. Like, wow. That's, that hits home. Like that makes sense. You're not, you're not going to know. You won't know shortly after you're dead. I guess your deathbed. Yeah. Your deathbed like, being you're, you're very sick. Doesn't want to die alone. It's like, oh, that's heavy. That's really heavy. I, I guess, I guess you don't know until you're there, but I feel when I'm sick, I, I don't like to be around people. I don't like people seeing me <laughs> sick. Okay. I would rather, and it's nice to be taken care of. And of course, you know, you want somebody to empty your bedpan or whatever, but I, I think, I don't know, having one person, I, but, but I guess if your significant other dies, that's sad. And then yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. totally so And then you die alone. But we're, y'all die, everyone dies alone everyone dies in alone. some way, you know, unless it's, you know, the notebook and you die sitting next to each other. Never got through that whole movie. Really? <laughs> Am I missing out? Uh, I liked it. It's, it's, you know, take it for what it is. It's a rom. It's a <laughs> you rom-com? said it like, you said it like, really? <laughs> oh, well, it's just, it's surprising to me because I, I really, I, I think that I'm usually not the one that loves those kind of movies and I, I don't know what it is, but I remember being like, oh, this is a great film. Maybe it's just Ryan Gosling uh, and, and just the way he played that character. And I don't know, Rachel McAdams, she was great too. And then I don't, I forget who the third guy was, the This Fits 2, the guy with the cotton fortune, but I don't know. It's tough. I feel that way about, um, I feel real solid about You Got Mail. Yeah, I would agree there. Real solid. I always cry at the end of that when uh, she's like, I want, I, like, I secretly wanted it to be you. And they're playing like somewhere over the rainbow. Yes. Ugh. Golden Retrievers. Golden, yeah, dogs. Jo- Joe Fox, Fox Books. <laughs> Dave Chappelle's, uh, one of Dave Chappelle's, Dave Chappelle's first like, big works, movies. Does he, wait, is he in Barnes & Noble in that? No, he is the assistant to Fox. That's what he Joe is, Fox. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And he's the one who Which is, is like, like a Barnes & Noble sort of store. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, and and you know he's taking over uh, the neighborhood, and Dave Chappelle is the one that's like, oh, you she, you didn't see her at the coffee shop, then she left you. You should you should leave her, and he's like, no, I'm gonna go talk to her. Again. I remember that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great film. Great film, um, and definitely a seasonal film for me too. Like Once when it comes year. fall, I'm like very ready to like pull it out and watch it. Yeah, man. Um, so. What I want to hear about, Jeff, yeah. is what you've been up to creatively uh, to uh, keep your brain active. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. we just talked, we don't climb anymore. No. And how many nights a week do you think you're performing? I was performing three nights a week consistently, uh, sometimes four. Okay. And so to go from like pump the brakes on that and climbing. Yeah. And now you're raising a watching, child. A, watching a baby a lot. Yeah. So... Uh, creatively, I haven't had a ton of time. My, my job that I do, I have a logistics job where I, I train sellers. That's been picked, that's picked up a lot recently. So every day I have four hours of training and then I, and then I'm kind of tired, which has been nice. It's made the days go by a little bit faster, but creatively I started out, I did a couple of zoom shows, which are, Oh boy. They're really tough. They're tough. Aren't they? I think I did. I did what the first one that I did went great. It was me and Elizabeth Andrews, kind of just. Uh, and she's your comedy buddy. She is for the most part. We, she's the one I, I saw you do a bunch of like two person yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, she's. You yes. guys are fantastic. Thank together. you. Well, you know we're just we're talking heads, so it it, it works on Zoom. 
Except if you're having a prolonged sex scene. Yes. On stage. A lot of it is physical. But with Zoom, one of the things you can do is you can put the, the camera at your waist and just and then the other <laughs> at the other person's head or whatever it is. You can still kind of convey that. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like you've already done this. We did do it. We did do it in a show. And so that- I literally had asked my uh, teammates, I was like, hey, uh, Jeff's coming on the podcast. Like, any fun dirt? And like, people are like, oh man, he's so funny. They're like, oh man, his commitment to doing a sex scene on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, I think a lot of people shy away from it. And I, I totally would get if you were with somebody who you hadn't you know, gone over like, Hey, we're going to do this. Like, are you okay if we do a sex scene? But Elizabeth and I are both very physical and very, you know, into it. And so it's, it's fun to play that out, uh, in as weird a way as possible. (laughs) Just fully committed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like they, they always have chairs on the stage. And so usually like our goal is to tip over every chair as we go through the intimacy phase. (laughs) Uh, it's just a, a rule that you have at some point of the show. Yeah. We try and knock them over a little bit because, you know, then the audience is like, wow, they're like really into it. Um, and so, yeah. So but we, you still improvise the sex. We improvise Even though you it. might plan the chairs yeah, going down. Yeah. And it's fun because, Keep it fresh. you know, in my personal life, it's very missionary, uh, basic kind of stuff. And so when you're on stage, you can be whoever you want, right? You can really explore levels and, uh, you know, take a little breather here and there, then go back in a new way. <laughs> Yeah. No, we did a show called Glurb and Ajurda, which is a two-person yes, show. And I, I, I can't say the name of it. I've, I've tried. No Glurb one. and Ajurda? Glurb and Ajurda. There yeah. It. It's, it's intentionally really stupid. And so that, that show was great. We had a lot of sex on stage. Uh, and, and, and yeah, and so we did that on Zoom and it was fun. And then I did a couple other shows that were just tough to get through um, and very disjointed. And so and even like Second City, I know, was doing it for a while. And they were like, no, we're... Oh, they stop now? Anymore. Well, I don't know. I stopped getting their, their emails. But I assume pretty much... If most, they haven't, they should have. Yeah, most people... Uh, most people should have stopped by now. They, they should have figured out it's not a winning recipe. Yeah. All of a sudden, the people who are like, hey, are you free? And they're like, you know what? I'm not really free. But it's like, you know they're free. They just <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. want to do it. Because everybody's free. Um, but I've been Teach, doing... I would say teaching online works better. Yes. For sure. Oh, that... and that's that's fun because like, you can like stop and try yes. an exercise and learn something. But when there's like, yeah. you're performing for an audience that you can't hear laugh. Yes. Oof. I've been I've been getting a lot of my creative energy out through my my training because you know it's yeah, yeah, yeah. four hours a day and so I can I can put some fun bits in and you know I've got some I have a bunch of, I have a bag of props and so like you know the, the execs of my company will occasionally come to me and say hey how do I keep people engaged for in Zoom because <laughs> you know I, I keep hearing that like you do a decent job of it so how do you how are you doing it and I'm like listen, I put on wigs. I put on, uh, I put on like little puppets on my hand and have them come in and talk to me. I'll have, you know, I'll have like a fake tiger in the background walking through my business space. Is this for real? I do. I, I will pull out a hundred percent of the stops because, because to, to do a, to do 16 hours over the course of four days, you have to have, it has to be some form in infotainment. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, I mean, because I have this box of props. Because you know, uh, uh, holy fuck, the the other the Friday night show that I used to do yep. at midnight, um, that is all basically you know silly props. Let's go play make them up, and so I have a lot of that stuff in my house, um, and so I, I just you know I have to use it, and I, I don't know. So so I've been doing that, and I've been writing a little bit more. Um, Let's see. Oh, do you have like a writing package or yeah, or like writing for a sitcom? Yeah, I did. Uh, I sent in another SNL thing for the uh, a five minute tape, and then another uh, packet, which you know will never get read. I I did almost get uh, Colbert writing staff. I found out yesterday ah! that I did not get it. Wait, 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 wait. 
was this the one that we were talking about back uh, in the winter? No, that was so they, I sent one in on February and they were like, oh, this is pretty good, but you know, not great. And then I sent another one in uh, like a month and a half ago. And then I never get feedback on writing packets. But then my, my manager texted me and said, hey, you've made it to the final round for... <sighs> Uh, for Colbert. And oh, I said, dude. okay, cool. This is awesome. Like, do you know anything more about it? And he was like, no. And so then of course you get in your mind and you're like, man, I can't believe I, I maybe I'm going to move to New York again. This is sweet. Uh, and then you, you don't. And so last night I got the email that was like, Hey, like they're, they're, they're going with somebody else. And I was like, oh, well I Damn. assumed, but it, that, you, that was nice to get feedback. Yeah. You got in like a couple nice, like close calls, haven't you? Like you, I, you did a, did you fly out for SNL? Yes. I've, fl- I've flew out twice. <gasps> I've circled. Okay. I've circled can we get, can we times. get into this? I want to live vicariously through your yes. experience. If you're no, it's okay. okay. I, th- I think for a while it kind of messes you up, but I'm very at peace with you know, that experience now. So did you, was this two different seasons you flew out for or for one uh, season that you, so this situation was, uh, J- Oh God. John Radinsky is his name. John Radinsky was a one year guy. Uh, who got it from JFL and he, I think he missed a couple of cues or something where they would, you know, cut to a chair and he, he missed it. And so they were like, all right, this guy might be a stinker. So they did mid seasons, which they only do once every few years. Yeah. Kate McKinnon came on mid season. Kate McKinnon was a mid season person. Um, and I think maybe Kristen Wiig was too, uh, or she got it late, but they said, okay, we want to see a bunch of white guys and cha-ching and that's me baby and so uh a a couple of weeks earlier steve plock was on my first uh my first was it herald team spider in the car and so steve plock's aunt is sharna who runs who ran io yeah yeah yeah. sharna you've heard of her you've heard of her uh if you're wondering what io is it doesn't matter it doesn't doesn't exist it doesn't exist anymore it might later on but maybe we'll see uh and so she was she was at that show and I did some Scottish waitress thing, and she emailed me and was like, Yay. "Waitress or waiter? Uh, waiter, I think." Okay, but I can't really remember. But it was humorous, and I did a Scottish accent, which you know is always going to kill. And so she emailed me. And she's like, "Oh, you're shy. I really liked your show." And I said, "This is great. Thank you so much." Because you know I had been there for three or four years and never talked to her. First time, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and so then they 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 brought in a bunch of white guys. Uh, it was like me and you know a lot of the people who I really respect. It was like Asher Perlman and um, oh Tim Lamphere and. A lot of other folks. Lovely, funny people. Lovely, funny people. And uh, Dan White. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we all auditioned. I had, I had a great, great set that first round. It was, it was really killer. Uh, I knew it going in that it was very good. And I, I knew that I would be... I knew that I would be like a top contender with the set that I had. You just had these bits tested and ready to go. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, the first time you do... The first time you come out with an album. The first time that you come out with any kind of piece of work that no one's really seen you that much before you've got this 15 20 year block of i've been from. yeah and yeah. so it's like your first thing's gonna be good can uh, you can you reveal a couple of your 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 bits uh, um i did <laughs> I, i'm you know you know i'm very physical and so i did uh i did jacob tremblay uh who was big at the time for room and he was talking about how he cries i did a a show horse showing a house i did a grizzly bear. oh uh, that is right i love horse stuff yeah horse I, work is great every one of my bit every one of my sets has a horse bit horses <laughs> that is amazing because i do horses all the time did you know this it's the funniest animal i i i've seen you do a horse i think i think that i've seen you do a horse on the, surely you have if you've ever seen me i probably once true, a show true bangers i believe i saw you horse it up uh <laughs> 
maybe the last true banger show that I ever saw. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, and so what else? Did a I, show, a show horse showing yeah, a house. I did a, Oh, I did a, uh, a, 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 my impression slot was a, it was a bunch of people auditioning for Garfield or something. And, and so that was pretty accurate. I had a really good, Maggie, <laughs> that was pretty accurate. I had a really good Maggie Gyllenhaal at the time, which, you know, is kind of cool, kind of not, but, uh, it was, it was funny. And, uh, I forget what else I did, but, oh, no, I didn't. I, I've done so many bits now that they all kind of, bl- yeah, yeah, yeah. they all kind of blend together. But anyway, it was a very good set. Uh, and so I did it, uh, for the producers when they came. Mm-hmm. And or we did one round, and, and so the producers came out to Chicago. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I did one round in front of Sharna with like twenty five people, and it it, was, it went well. And then the producers came like a month later, and Sharna put up maybe sixteen or seventeen of those, um, and I did really really well. I I knew it, and uh, I I was like, if they if they call somebody in for this, I'll probably get called. Oh, that's, that's nice to walk away feeling like happy with what yeah. you did. And- you know, it was one of those things where there, there was a bunch of agents there, like local agents, and everybody came up and talk, talks to you after. So and you, got some, like, you got some positive you know, I know this, right so- this sounds co- cocky or whatever, but like I knew it at the time. You know when you do well in comedy. Yeah, you know when you do poorly, too. You know when you do poorly. And you know when it's just okay. And oh. you, you try to trick yourself into that mindset that you may have done better than you did at yes. an audition. Yes. Well, I, I do that sometimes. Yeah. I have a shitty one. I'll be like, but maybe... Maybe they're looking for something. Maybe they're looking for something just kind of like... My acting chops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then I got a call when I was at work, you know, doing my... I was a I was a salesperson at the time, and they said, uh, we want to see you on Monday, the following Monday. And then, you know, it was really, really cool. All of a sudden, you're, you're going to New York, and, you know, I think... Were you, the, freak, were you freaking out? Or you... I was really excited because I moved to Chicago. I wanted to, I wanted to be on SNL. That's why I moved oh, yeah. to Chicago. Uh, and so, you know, you tell your family and you're like, don't get your hopes up. But, you know, it went well. I am flying out. It's very cool. My dad came out and met me while I was there. Um, and then I think it must have gotten out that I was one of the stronger contenders because a bunch of agents started courting me and managers. They were like, hey, I know that you're going to be in New York. You know, do you want to grab 20 minutes and, and chat? And, I, and in my mind, I was like, screw that. You're trying to take... You know, a manager and an agent will both take ten thousand dollars for booking SNL, and so I was like, "Just book no. it on your own." I was <laughs> at like, this I, point. "I was like, you haven't done nothing for this, so no." Uh, <clears throat> which ended up being fine, but uh, and so yeah, so then I got there, and it's me and Tim Lamphere and Dan White were the kind of buddies, and maybe mm-hmm. Ben Ben Harper. I went out that round. And so we were there. We were, it was great. We were all, I, I'm pretty close with Tim Lamphere and, and Dan to some extent. And so mm-hmm. we were hanging out at the hotel, the continental, I think it was. And then the next day we were all going out to audition and it's weird. They put me in Kate McKinnon's dressing room and I was like, you know, it's hollow ground. And so you're, I, yeah. I brought, I brought some really small, headshots of mine and I, I hit them in a row. <laughs> I was like, I always want a piece of me to be at 8H, you know, even if That's I good. screw up really bad. And so I put Do you think one... they're still there? Yes. Okay, wait, where where is it hidden? So Kate, if you're listening, uh, there's one on top of her door. Like if, if the door is an inch, <laughs> if the door is an inch wide, there's one that is exactly on top of the door. So no one will ever find that unless they replace the door. Yeah. Uh, there was one on the bottom of her trash can and one underneath her desk, oh, which is weird now that am- I say it, but no, it's amazing. Now that you say, it. uh, somebody was Kate from New York. 
Kate? she like did she come out of like a UCB or Kate was a New Yorker yeah she had uh, she had done a bunch of like solo work in New York and was renowned we definitely know somebody then who must know her to let Kate know where these headshots are yeah of this well, dashing I mean, man in her oh god anyway, <laughs> I, I still know a couple I guess Allison Ringhand would be the only one that I know that's oh, okay. still writing that would respond to an email of mine um, and I do he- email her occasionally, but, uh, yeah. And so then I, so then you're sitting there, you wait for a really long time. They have a cool fruit spread for you. Uh, you can watch the other people audition on the TV, which yeah, yeah they play throughout the whole building, right? Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if they know that you do that, but anyway, uh, so then I'm, I'm next up and, uh, and Tim Lamphere went and I tried to record some of his stuff. He, Tim had the funniest bit, I think of the whole, of the whole group that went, he had a bit where he was, he would start off and he would say, what I'm gonna do is, uh, like, hi, my name is like Tim. Like, it's snowing, obviously. Uh, I'm I'm one of the fastest guys in the world. I am going to dodge every single one of these snowflakes. But to keep me honest, I have this air horn here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna press the air horn every single time I get hit. And so he would go <laughs> and go, and then he would immediately just just he would just blare on the air horn nonstop, like beep 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 beep, beep and that that killed. And, uh, and so anyway, then, the, then I was up next and this guy, whoever the guy was in front of me, I felt really bad for because he was doing a rap and it was bombing, bombing, bombing. Uh, it was bombing because there was just no laughs or because like there were no was, laughs and or it was like he fumbled it. Doing a rap, doing a rap for your SNL audition is tough. It's cause it's like you have to get all of the verbiage out in a way that is super clear and coherent and you're doing it to an empty giant garage space essentially. Yeah. And the, mm. the sound cue isn't perfect. The levels aren't perfect. And so it sounded bad. Maybe the lyrics were great, but it sounded bad. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and so I was kind of pumped. I, you know, selfishly I was like, Oh good. The, if the person in front of me kind of bombed, then the <laughs> expectations will be low. Uh, <laughs> And so I've, I've had that, that same feeling in life. Yeah. It's a shitty feeling, but it's, we have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't feel great about it, but I was also like, but also you're auditioning for SNL. I was auditioning for SNL. And I was like, you know, this guy tried a rap song at SNL. That was not ideal. Um, and then I killed it. And then I got, I got laughs. My entire set got laughs. The first, Oh, you know, did I, you do the same material that you did here in Chicago? Or did you have to do all new material. So this round, I got to do the same stuff. Okay. They said, they said, I think maybe they said swap out one thing. Um, maybe, I think I did like a Justin Trudeau shooting hoops thing. He, it was Justin Tr- Trudeau. He was auditioning for the Canadian Harlem Globe. <laughs> <laughs> and it played, it played decently well, but they were like, if you're going to swap one thing out, swap that out. So I swapped it out for something. But yeah, I started out and I was this, uh, I was this Irish car salesman and and the bit is like, it starts out and it's this haunting song and it's me talking about how like my first son was killed. And then it turns into this like super <laughs> upbeat jig and it's me being like, come on down. And anyway, that played, <laughs> that killed and then everything else killed. And so then you walk off stage and you know, Lauren Michaels is sitting right there and I saw Lauren, uh, get out of his seat as if he was coming to like shake my hand or something. Uh-huh. And, uh, I walked past him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he was or if he was just getting up to go to like the bathroom or something. But, but you also don't want to fuck that that moment up too and be like, hey, because yeah. <laughs> to me it felt like uh, it felt like oh, don't look at them. They don't want you to look at them. So just like you know, Play stay straight, get the hell yeah. out of there. Uh, Play to a house that's not there. Yeah, and so then the next, then that afternoon, I knew I knew I'd done well, and I went out to get uh, dinner with a couple of like the big former IO New York guys, the um, Gary Richardson and uh, John. 
Reynolds. Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a couple of the other guys. Uh, anyway, and they, they went bowling, but I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to stay out till 2 a.m. This is not ideal. And so I went home and then the next day we were supposed to fly out and everyone else had their bags packed. And at eight o'clock, I got a text from the producer that said, hey, stay, can you stay for another day? And I was hey. like, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cummies. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this is tight. <laughs> And so then I, and then, and then it was really sad because I had, my buddies were in the room with me and I was, they were like, yo, are you packed to go? And I was like, I'm staying. And I felt that was, I remember that. And I was like, oh, I'm staying and you're not. But I was like so happy, but I, it was it's, devastating. It literally is just the same thing at high school when you look at that casting list. Yeah. And it's just at a higher level. And because, <laughs> because it hit them at that moment too, because they, they're not sure if, oh, they're not making yeah, decisions yeah, they're holding until out. later. Oh. But then they know that they're not making it. Yeah. Because then it's like, I have to be the one to tell them that, which was kind of shitty. Uh, but they were very cool about it. They were like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you're going to get this thing. Like, you're very funny. This is cool. And I was like, okay, thank you. And so then I, I went and I walked around MoMA because they say, like, don't be too far away because we might call you in at any time. And so mm-hmm. I went to MoMA for the day and just kind of sat and looked at art and thought about my life. MoMA's great. MoMA was great. MoMA's always great. And then, uh, and then yeah, they called me in. Uh, two days later and they said, okay, come meet some of the producers. I met all the producers, all the writers. Um, I got to hang out with, I got to hang out with Michael Che and Colin Jost and Steve Higgins for like a half hour. And Higgins made, made, was making like dad jokes the whole time. And I think I, I don't think I did great there because I talked about how my mom named my dog Higgins. And then they, I thought that they thought that that was weird. Because then they were making jokes about how my mom's dog was super horny all the time and was just like going after all the other dogs. Um, but Michael Che told me that he liked some of my stuff. Uh, and so that was very complimentary. And then they kept me for another day. And they said, uh, you know, hey, Lauren wants to meet with you. And it uh-huh. was the week that Russell Crowe was there hosting for the good guys. Okay. It's um, it's the one that he did with uh, Ryan Gosling. Oh, he's coming up. Again. <laughs> uh, the good the good fellows are the good guys. Okay, it was a good movie. Um, so he had taken Russell to a hockey game. So he he brought me in once and then kind of blew me off, and then brought me again the next morning. Uh, and and I oh, did you wait there all day? Yeah, and then you never met with them the no. one day. No. Yeah, I heard that's a thing, right? It's a power thing. And it, it it was obvious that, that that's what they were going for. And I was fine with that. And they I, like try to see how you handle that stress. Yeah. I mean, I had heard that that happens before. So yes, I was, yes, yes. I, I was very cool and calm. I think I did really well talking to the other people. I remember oh, God, Tim uh, Robinson was there, who's like my... Oh, yeah. I Tim Robinson's Tim probably Rob- my so he was writing. Idol. He, he was, was writing at the time. One of my like all-time favorite yeah, performers. Just a genius. And so he, at one point, I remember, I don't, I can't remember how well I did with him. Cause at one point he said, what was your favorite sketch this year? And I remember blanking and I remember being like, no, how could I not come up with it? Cause, cause you know, you know, you're going in there. So I watched a bunch of stuff and yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. like I had that answer ready. Um, but, but all I could think of was like my favorite sketch of yours, <laughs> you know, I like, I really like the, your, your bu- 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 basketball one that he did where he wrote the lyrics to, uh, the intro song, um, <laughs> for the NBA. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bu- 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 basketball. Yep. Give me the ball and then I'm gonna dunk it. Was, uh, that, was that a, um, was that in one of his shows that he did? Shows. Uh, like whether it was the characters mm. or thank you for leaving. I don't think so. Or I think you should leave. I think you should leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did not do it. No. Uh, I know I've seen that bit. Character. Was it? S- it was just oh, he did SNL? It on SNL. Yeah. Did oh, it just okay. Did it. He just did it on SNL. Um, 
but yeah, and then I met, uh, then I met with, uh, Lauren after again, being waiting for a couple hours and he, I walked in the room and he, he's sitting, he was sitting on a big couch here, just texting, I think on a Blackberry. And then I went to sit across <laughs> from him. Noted Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> I went to sit across from him and he said, no, here. And then pointed to where the chair that I would be in right now, uh, kitten corner they call that yeah 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 degrees and then he asked me a bunch of random questions i wish i had recorded it i I had the thought in my mind should i keep my phone on record the whole time because i don't remember almost any of it i remember he asked if i had anybody else in my family that had been in show business and i said no but my my grandfather his father had owned a theater um and he wanted to be in theater but he got drafted to world war ii and couldn't do it and so he had this whole i had a, a good little response for that but but I think it went well because I got out of there and then the producer came up to me like as I was in the waiting room and was like, hey, uh, Lauren had a good conversation with you. He wants to know if you want to stay for the show. Because at that point oh, it was nice. Thursday and the show was, again, taping on Saturday. And so I was like, oh, that's so nice. Absolutely. And they were like, great. Uh, you can come to the the first the rehearsal show and then you can come to the regular show. And he also uh, would like to know if you want to go to the after party if you have time. And I was oh, that's like, awesome. I was, I was like, dude. My fucking logistics. Job? Also, are you going to say no yeah, to any yeah, of that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Could you imagine the? Nah, balls? not my dream job. I really appreciate it, but I'm not going to go to the SNL after party with all these celebrities. Um, <laughs> I can't stay. Yeah, and so then I stayed for a couple days, and the after party was cool. I got to talk to Will Forte and Bobby Moynihan, who were both really nice. Will Forte had come back for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to go thank Lauren at the time, but he was there was like a line of people to see him, and that's where I started talking to Will. That was your test. You it, needed to thank him. It really may have been. It, w- <laughs> it really might have been. I don't know. Cause then, Who knows? Because then I went to one of the producers, and it was weird. I went I went to this after party, and I go there, and two people from my high school are at the after party. Two. And one person from my rival high school. And I'm like, what? I'm like, are you kidding me? And apparently they they had some connection, or they were working at NBC in the oh, PH okay. program or something, and I didn't know about it. But I was like, that, what are the odds of that? Your life is cool. And I looked cool because they were like, oh, you're going to get this job. <laughs> and uh, Katie Rich came up to me and she and she's another one of my like favorite all time yeah. Chicago. And she was like, hey, like, I know it's weird coming from Chicago and not knowing anybody. If you want to come sit with the writers for update, you can. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so nice. And then and then in between there that that Friday night, I met with the guy who would become my agent, uh, Fred Hashagan, who uh, was at UTA. <laughs> He's based out of New York. Yes. And so he's Kate McKinnon's agent too. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't know anybody, but I'm going to this after party. Uh, you know, if you could say anything to Kate, that would be sweet. And so he did. If you could say anything about like some photos being left in her dressing room. I didn't or... tell him about this. Maybe I did. I don't think I did. Friend, but, if you're listening. But then I see Kate go up and say, hi, are you, are you Jeff Dow to some other person while I'm at the bar? I see her say that to somebody <laughs> who looks like me. And so I'm at the bar, but I don't want to, I don't want to get the reputation of, oh, this kid left the bar after ordering a drink and didn't get, didn't give a tip. So I'm staying at the bar when I see her and she's got her jacket on. She doesn't go to the after parties for very long and she, she left and I never got to see her. Uh, so that's a bummer. What a bummer. But then Russell Crowe. So that the, so the night ends and you know, I, I, I literally ate a power bar to stay up, you know, I don't do <laughs> hard drugs. So I was like, I'm going to do a power bar. So it was like th- maybe 3am the club closes and uh, I go to the bathroom, you know, cause I had been, uh, drinking a little bit. And so Russell Crowe busts out of the bathroom and I don't know if he was doing drugs, but he, he was in a he stall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. And so I was like, Oh my God, Russell Crowe. Like I really loved state of play. 
And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like, state, state of play. Like, I know you probably get Gladiator a lot, but state of, I really like state of play. I thought it was a cool journalism thriller. I thought it was well done. He was like, I hated having long hair. Who are you? And I was like, oh, I, I just auditioned for the show. Uh, I, you know, hopefully I'll get it, but probably not. And he was like, oh, did you get your 10,000 hours? And I was like, oh, like Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours are you talking about? And he was like, get your 10,000 hours and then come back. And then he left. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and so that was my interaction with him. And then I walked out with Will Forte. And, uh, and I went and I, I remember I went to the, the Times Square, which is all lit up and I walked past the cop car. And for some reason I was like, yo, I, I was just at a party with Russell Crowe. And I said that to the, these cops <laughs> and they just looked at me and they were like, get the hell out of here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you were just so excited. You had to tell right. somebody. I had to tell somebody cause you know, nobody else is awake. And then, uh, the next day they flew me back first class and uh, Molly Jones was on my flight. Oh yeah, from IO, and she was like, "What? You, this is you're such a piece of shit." And I was like, "See ya." <laughs> and I watched Star Wars on the way back, and then the next, you know, so that's March of uh, that's March of 2016. The, the next three months, I sit and I look at my phone, and every time it rings, I'm so excited. Oh no! And every time it's not them, <laughs> and so and, and then and then I'm still kind of in this joyful mind state of okay, well maybe if they don't replace John Radinsky first. You know, mid-season, maybe I'll get it at the regular time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that time came on, and I auditioned in front of with uh, the, the producers with a new set and didn't get a call. But then I went on my bachelor party before I got married, and I was in Telluride, and I was drunk, and they called me. And they said, we want you to come out to audition again. And I said, oh, shit. And they said, we want to see a full new set. And I was like, a full new set relative to what you just saw me do at the audition? And they were like, well, you can do some of those things, but make it at least 40% new. And so I'm drunk at my bachelor. And I'm very excited. <laughs> and your wedding's coming up in how long? Uh, my wedding was going to be in December, and this was in August, I think. Okay, so you didn't have like too much wedding stress on your... No. It was not like the next... But it was the week. first day of my bachelor party, and we had uh, planned to do stuff. And so I was like, ah, you know, all my high school yeah. buddies and college buddies flew out. And so I felt bad being like, I have to go do this, even though that's probably what I should have done. So I did a little bit of that and then every night would come home early and try and write. And I wrote some awful bits and I think I do my best writing on airplanes. So I was like, okay, well I'll fly. And they, they flew me to New York and I'd written this bit on Michael Phelps. It was an Olympics year. And I, and I did that as my first bit and it, it tanked. And you never got to test any of it. Never got to test any of the new stuff, Oof. which is a mistake. I should have had more. I was, I was young. It was the first time I'd ever done one of those showcases. So I didn't have a lot to pull from. Um, and so the first bit that I did tanked so hard that I was like, it threw me off a little bit. And then my next bit was okay. And my last two bits were good. Okay. So that's nice that you can turn it around after a bad, but it was definitely, I, I, I didn't blow them away for sure that time. And so that time I left, didn't get any calls or texts. And I was like, okay, well maybe I'm still in the running. They've seen me there. They've already, and then my agent was like, they've already talked to you at this point. They don't need to keep you around for a week. They, they've, you've already had your conversation. And so I was hopeful again. Um, but Alex Moffat, they had taken him out for drinks when Lauren oh, came so out. Oh, so this is before he got hired? Before he got, this is the, they, they end up casting Moffat over me. Oh. Who, who's a Chicago <laughs> guy who used to do all like, yeah, I know. He was like the Bulls trampoline guy. And so he, they, uh, uh, taught with me over at, uh, Improv Institution. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I has a, uh, have you heard a story about how he got fired? Uh, no. Oh my. All right. Well, you, well but anyway, go, I mean, you tell your story. That's it. that's it. That's the end of my story. Cause, cause they, they had taken him out for drinks and he had been under contract for another show 
for Lauren Michaels that was going to film out in LA with, uh, I think Mick Napier or David or Blaine Swen or something yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. I remember that so he was under contract for that. The show never came to fruition. So he was already like under NBC contract and then he, they went out for drinks and I was like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm probably not getting it. It's probably going to this guy. Um, and then, and then he got it. And so I was like, oh, maybe damn I'm you Alex next year. And then, you know, never got anything. And I ended up doing JFL the next year, which was cool. But yeah, I don't, I don't think what a wild ride. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely fun and I'm glad that it happened. It ended up, I ended up getting a, an agent and a manager from it. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. I got to read, I got to audition for some cool stuff like uh, the big sick and marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which, you know, I never book, but fun. <laughs> But wait, hey, how did Moffat get fired? Oh, okay. Um, is this a bad story? We don't have to. Tell no, no, I think it's a. I don't think it's a bad story. It's maybe it is. It's so. Fired. Apparently, <laughs> he was. Uh, you know, we do these summer camps where we teach these summer camps, and it's like improv to kids. Yeah. And um, the place we were both working at. Um, apparently, he opened a tuna fish sandwich during class to have um, lunch <laughs> or whatever. And we have okay. like a no food policy. Oh. Uh, and, you know, because so many children have like food allergies. allergies. <laughs> Absolutely. And so... Yeah, and he uh, didn't know that there was a, a girl in the class with a um, like... Tuna? Tuna, airborne tuna allergy. No. Who apparently went into anaphylactic shock. I'm repeating this Johnny. all secondhand, so I wasn't there when it happened. Um, and like... She got rushed. I think she had to get rushed to the hospital. I'm not sure. Holy cow! But um, that's luckily awful. she survived. Yeah. But as legend has it, um, Alex got let go like that day or the next day, and then like literally know. the same day or the day after, got the call from SNL that he got hired. Oh my god! So a quick turnaround. That's not bad. But also, that's not on him. I mean. Th- th- the, what are the chances of somebody having an would, airborne tuna allergy that's so intense? Who would have ever thought while eating a tuna sandwich that you're putting someone's life at risk? I wouldn't have. I don't think that there's a lot of fish allergies in general. A tuna, an airborne tuna allergy? You'd think Suppose, you'd be safe. That's what it's I, not peanut butter. I know. That's wild. That is wild, isn't he, it? You know, he but good to, for him. Like, What a quick like low to a high. He, and, a, and a much bigger high than letting yeah. go from teaching yeah. improv. No, that's good for him. Good for him. I mean, he was uh, a, good for that girl that she was okay. She's what I heard. Well, you, yeah. We don't know. We don't know. What if that came out? What if? What if? They, oh no. What if he? What if he? And it's not the same. Who's who's the guy that they hired and fired last year? Who's that? Because that thing that came out with him when he did he did a podcast. Oh right 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 right. Uh, I don't know his name. Uh, Shane Shane Gillis. Yeah. What if? What if he got hired? Then the tuna allergy girl passes away, and then they find oh. out, and it's like you're kind of on the. That's is that manslaughter? That, yeah, it, unintentionally murdering. I, think, I don't know allergies. I don't know if that's manslaughter. You know, tuna is a weapon. If somebody's got an allergy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's, it's the same as mustard. It's poison. Gas. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, there's an alternate reality somewhere Isn't where that maybe crazy? that plays out. That's that's tough. And then you know who gets the next call? Me. Boom. <laughs> Damn. Oh man, yeah. you wouldn't want a girl to die of a tuna reaction. No, so you could be an SNL. no. I mean, I mean, no. It would have been a cool job, though. Do you know what would have uh, stressed me out the most about the audition process that you just yeah detailed? Would be the hanging out with people. Um, uh, social. I, I feel like my social anxiety would just kick in. Of like, 
oh yeah, go. You're gonna go hang out with the cast and see if you meld well or go to an like. Sure, because you know it's you know you're being tested. You know you're being tested. It's a crazy test, and maybe I failed the crazy test. I don't think I did, but maybe that was part of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they want to make sure. You're but not but crazy. they called me back, so maybe not. Nah. I think that the I think that the worst part of it from a nerves of social aspect of it is the other comedians who are there because the second time I, I was flown out, it was, I had no friends there. And so you're in your room. Nobody goes into the hallways. It's, it's, it's very rigid. And if you see somebody, you're like, Oh, get out of my face. But the first time I went there, me, Dan and Tim made it a, a point to keep it light. Why are we in our, why are we in these rooms? Let's hang out in the hallway and talk. And yeah, so nice. that was like great. Yeah. Um, it's but, like when you go into any audition and you see someone else there, yeah. kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, but imagine the, the opportunity there. It's just the whole time you're you're just saying to the other people, isn't this crazy? This is so crazy. Yeah. What if we get this? That's yeah. that's all you're really saying to other people. And it's it's really hard not to. And the only other thing that you're doing is practicing your bits. And to me, it was like, if I over-practice my bits, I start hating them. And I don't, and I don't, you they lose the charm. And you so gotta find the joy in it. I have to keep it a little bit fresh and un scripted which is probably one of the like i would totally agree with you that one of your things that you do the most is like everything you do on stage you look like you're having fun oh yeah and like (laughs) it's always an invitation of like jeff's having fun like i'm having fun it can can get you in trouble i think if you're having fun at the expense of the scene and i think i do that all the time i did that good for you but (laughs) yeah it's 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 nothing is like yeah i don't know if if there's if there's a serious two person relationship scene and I want to be a wizard underneath a bridge that they encounter, I I'll usually follow that instinct. What's the what's the improv note that you get like oh. most often? That's like most repeatable. That pe- like coaches pull you aside after show and they're like, "God damn it, Jeff!" Oh god, fucking doing really funny stuff in the first beats. Um, I think that. Clayton Margison was my coach <laughs> when we ended uh, Little Tooties, and well, which is you know maybe <laughs> maybe still a thing in the future. But he used to always say, uh, he would say, "Jeff, I absolutely hated what you just did," <laughs> and, and he would he would just be like, "Like what what was happening in the scene was so good and was building, and then when you walked on and took all of the attention like a complete psychopath, it ruined everything that was happening." <laughs> And it's like, yes, you got laughs, but you sold out the scene in a way that was terrible. And I would be, I would just be like, yeah, like, honestly, I felt it, but it, it really was fun for me because it's, cause I always used to balance like, okay, do I have, do I have fun? Because, cause some teachers will be like, you know, if you're not having fun, it's your own fault. And Follow I think the fun. Those are mostly kind of the a-hole teachers that you deal with. Cause there is, there's, you have to be part of a group mind. Right, yeah. Um, but I would be in every scene if I could. So to me, when two scenes go by, when I haven't been in, it's like, it's hard. Here's my check. <laughs> I've, I've done two. I've let you have two scenes and now I'm in again. You know, my selfish thing that I do yeah. is, um, so a Herald, if you don't know what a yeah. Herald is, is like a long 30 minute piece with a bunch of different scenes. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, man, being on like Herald Dean for maybe like eight years or so. Yeah. I think I only sat out of the first scene like only a handful of times i always oh i like always the very first, first scene or the first beat the first scene that's good i like that move I, some people don't go out i i like want to be out there right away just so i don't have time to think right yeah. I, I i agree with that but but also like i would kind of like always like 
look to see if anybody was ready to go out. Yeah. And then usually everyone would take a second. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to take a second. Like, this is, I'd rather not, like, go sit on the side and have time to think. Okay. See, for me, I like, uh, one teacher once was like, you're, you're kind of a sniper. And so my, I, I rarely was in first beat scenes. I would like to watch them and then see, okay, what is this show missing right now? We've got a grounded two person relationship. We've got a, um, you know, maybe tonality. We've got like a, a, a big character scene and then we've got a really big physical scene. And then I'd be like, okay, what have we not seen yet? And then I'd be like, Oh, uh, we haven't seen somebody run into the audience and flip over a table or something like that. Or, <laughs> that that's a little extreme. Furniture but, hasn't been flipped yet. Or, As you can already sense, Jeff's got a little bit of a uh, a comedic plan. Yeah. Mine is always like, uh, we haven't seen like a German person or a happy dad yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or like a low status person or like a really low status guy or something like that. What, what note would you get? Because you're a teacher. So to me, I would yeah, be, that would be interesting getting notes. Oh, that's, uh, but also it's like, that means nothing. You know what I mean? As far as like yeah, when you're performing, you're performing. And, yeah. Yeah. And you just, like, you could teach just as much as I could teach and just lend your perspective on things. No one asked me to teach though. I never get asked to teach. I never get asked to coach. I get asked to direct every once in a while. Oh, okay. But no one, and, and I think it's on purpose. I think it's because I don't do a great job of whatever it is that, that they want to teach, you know? <laughs> Whatever it is that they want to teach, I don't do that well. Everybody's intimidated. They're like, he's too funny. I don't think that's it. I think <laughs> I think it's like, well, if we want to do well, we should go with somebody like, like an Ollie Hobson or somebody who's like good or like a, okay. a Johnny Nelson, like somebody who like, knows how to build an ensemble and then, you know, let scenes breathe and things like that. And I, I just was never very good at that. I owe, uh, Second City, I, it took me four auditions to get into the conservatory. They kicked me out at level three and I had to audition two more times. I owe, I didn't get on a team the first time I went through. I had yeah, to go yeah. back through. People people hate me, but they love me. Who hates you? Well, no one, I don't have any like improv enemy, enemies, but I, I just think that it... You're an X factor. Yes. I'm, I'm more in line. If, if the, the head is Second City, the heart is IO, and Annoyance is the X factor, then I'm much more in line with the school of Annoyance. Yeah. Annoyance, if they had a show, probably would have added me to a team. <laughs> Which they did eventually, I guess, with, with Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, annoyance. Because the best improv advice that I think I ever got, and I, he might deny saying this, but Mick Napier in his like advanced class, his like, 5B equivalent, was like, um, go in the scene, set it up, set up the who, what, where, whatever it is, all that bullshit, and then turn your brain off for about 30 seconds and say whatever the fuck you want <laughs> and then make sense of it. After Try to that. play makeup. Yeah. I it's, like that, I, which is definitely the way you play. That's exactly the way that you, play. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You go kind of like, um, I say sweetheart. Um, and so that's <laughs> you make it. a move and you play catch up. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I say, you so saw like, you know, like, uh, honey or like uh, Mr. Like sheriff. And so like, I've said the relationship and once the relationship's <laughs> out there, I'm like, there's, there's a pontoon missing <laughs> or something like, I don't know. I don't know. Just I love that. That's a good note. Yeah. Cause there's something, uh, Oh God. You ever read, um, I'm also very bummed that I've never, um, got to work with McNapier. Oh, like I feel like, yeah, I'm I, probably I, an incomplete, like he's the Chicago guru. performer for he, having never gotten to work with him. He's the guru. Take I think with him. Yeah. if you had to say somebody for sure, He's, and you know, he's, he's got that guru piece about him. Cause you know, I, I love Mick and he has given me a bunch of great opportunities and 
And, but like when I'm talking to him, he's got that, that vibe, right? He'll do like magic tricks in front of me. And I think if, if there's anybody who I'm a little uncomfortable around in Chicago, it might be Mick because I don't know what to talk to him about. Cause I'm like, you're so funny and so established yeah, yeah. and still so relevant that anything that I would talk about comedy would be boring to you. And anything that would be personal is also probably not that interesting to you. So what, what, and maybe I do magic tricks at him or something, but, <laughs> but yeah, he was just, he he was a great teacher. Hmm. Um, him and then Rich Sohn was the other guy who called me out of my bullshit and made me do emotional moves, which I was very oh, anti okay. on. Get, getting married and then taking a class from Rich Sohn, which is that annoyance were the two things that made me be like, Oh, having emotional reactions is a good idea. Cause that's, that's how like the cook County social club plays. It's yeah, all, it's all uh, trying to affect emotions. each other and yeah. be affected. Like uh, Dana Curcioli, she all all emotional responses. Yeah, I get the um, I get the response of well, I've actually been like I've been told I wasn't allowed to do things for like a number of weeks. Oh, one of which was sing in scenes. I love to sing in scenes. Damn, especially Christmas music. Yeah. <laughs> As I've been told, I couldn't sing for like a couple of weeks. That's messed up. Because every once yeah. in a while, a song, if you can pull off a song, it's huge. But I don't always pull it off. I just do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, usually like I start a song and then it ends with like doodle doodle dee, yeah. scoodle doodle doo. If you're confident though. I'm never nervous about it. But uh, uh, it, it, it hits and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like pulling that old trick out of the hat again, yes. I guess. Yeah. I I tried saying I was in like the Second City Training Center musical my, thing. Yeah, myself as well. That was uh, the first Infinite Sundays, thing, right? Infinite Sundays. That was the first thing that I really got because it was like Second City Infinite Sundays, <laughs> and then I did the the twisty thing, and then uh, and then got almost went on tour. Um, but yes, mu- music was the first thing, and then Sharna put me on Deltones for a while, and I was awful. I, I had no idea how to do any of that oh. it was so impressive to me what they were doing but i i i should never be in a musical ensemble because again <laughs> it's like a last resort thing i'm not a good singer we were just not scared of it but when they put me on deltones i thought that the whole thing that was like oh jeff you're gonna be the guy <laughs> who sucks at singing but is confident about it and that'll be your thing <laughs> and i thought that was my thing and then uh dave what's his name was like yo you're dave, you're, dave uh yes yeah. he was like you fuck you fucking suck <laughs> Like you're very funny in scenes, but like you're singing, singing is the whole thing and you, yeah. you reek, you reek big ass. Uh, and I was like, cool. That's cool, Dave. Um, more power to you. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So when they, when they sent that email, I was like, honestly, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I'm not a good fit for that. <laughs> and you said getting, uh, getting married, you feel made you a better performer. Better by far. Cause, cause I married, I have been, I think a little bit more of the like Irish, keep my emotions in at all times and cover my emotions with bits, which Uh people hate that. People hate that. (laughs) Women hate it. Men hate it. It's terrible. You'll see it all over IO if it ever reopens. Um, But she is a feeler. She is a feeler. She feels everything. Everything is a strong impact on her. Sometimes you'll say something and you'll see her just like take it like a ghost just passed through her or something. And so seeing that and her, her needing that in order to communicate made me a better performer because I started to tap into that a little bit. I hadn't cried in front of her in years. And then only recently has she seen me ever tear up. Ah. Yeah. So if you want to be a better performer, 
get married. Find somebody. <laughs> Do you? Are you like an emotional? Uh, oh, I cry all the time. You cry. All the I time. cry like a couple times a week easily. I'm, I'm jealous of that because it feels like I'm missing out. Like I watched Twelve Years a Slave, and I was sitting. Ugh, in the, oh yeah. Yep. I wanted to cry so bad, and I I felt it coming up. But I was sitting next to my wife, mm-hmm. and I buried it. And I was like, Why are you burying it? Like it feels good. And then, and then when I do cry, it's like a dam. Oh it's yeah, like once every three years, and it's three all years built, built up. up. Whatever my ducks have, it's it's coming, and I can't stop. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I ugly cry too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, <laughs> Matt, my husband and I went yeah. to um, we went to the what's the museum, the science and industry museum that's yes. got the like the dome yep. projection of like films and stuff. Okay, what, what do they call that when hey. it's like on a it's not IMAX. Maybe it is IMAX. Yeah, it's a version it's like on of a IMAX. dome. The, and yeah. they were doing something about uh, the um, the national parks. Ooh. And <laughs> we were also high. Yeah. But I started sobbing. Like, I think, like, you know, like a slow song came on. They were just showing the, panning the, the shots beauty. of mountains. Oh, my God, the dude. beauty guy. Like, <laughs> like ugly yeah. crying and then like matt was doing it and then that like made me do it worse yeah like i oh, yeah i'm I'll, so like, jealous i'll be that. in public and i'll ugly cry i'm very jealous of that but also like mountains are beautiful and like uh, i Incredible. miss the mountains and i miss nature so much being in chicago that yes was, like i think it was like <laughs> it was like valentine's day too so we'd gone through like the whole chicago winter yes and then we saw like this like felt like you were in the nature and there was like rock yeah. climbing in it which we, we both do, do and yeah. we used to do. We used to do it. Banff, you ever been to Banff, Canada? I have not, but there's climbing there, isn't there? We did our, right before the pandemic, we did a uh, mini moon up there to Banff. Ugh. We rented like an RV and just kind of drove through some of the big parks. And it was just, just very moving. It's, it's just, it's, you feel so small. It's like these things have been here for hundreds of thousands of years and they're the prettiest things of all time and you'll die and it'll still be here. Yeah. For, you know, your great, great, great grandchildren or whatever could see this. I feel that way with like rock climbing, um, where it's like you are in some random part of the world mm. and you're climbing, um, some massive structure, but you know an intimate spot of it so well because yeah. it's, it's like the crux of the climb that I could meet somebody, you know, in a different part of the country and be like, oh, you climbed at the red? Did you climb this route? You know that one move? And wow. you were talking about a specific rock on like in all of this geology and in the rock Kentucky. Doesn't care. Yeah. doesn't care. But like you and someone else from the other part of like the world, if you both climb that route and you know like, oh yeah, that was a cool route and that was a weird move or like that crux is hard. You could talk about this random rock on the edge of a mountain That's cool. or a cliff yeah. together. And like, I've never had that. I've never, I don't do enough outdoor climbing to have had that experience, but that, that sounds amazing. This fall. Yeah. I'll be completely out of shape, but we should go. Oh yeah. My whole body is, I switched to running now. Now it's all legs. <laughs> I've lost all my upper body strength. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, oh, I was going to cap it there because I felt like we're an hour and six minutes in. No, that's fine. I was just going to (laughs) say earlier today, I did have a moment of, uh, I, what would you call it? Uh, like kismet or something with a stranger or just a connection with a stranger because I, there's this thing called the game and it's like, we, if you don't think the object of the game is not to think about the game. If you think about the game, you say I lost the game and then it resets in 30 minutes. And so I've been playing this since high school with a lot of my friends. I play. I have a version of that with my brother. It's 
Yeah. Completely different. I played it throughout college. And so today, for the first time in probably about a year and a half, I saw somewhere <laughs> somewhere written, it was like, you know, come watch the game in some bar. And I said, oh my God, I just lost you the game. You restarted it. I yelled it out loud in front of my wife. The guy behind me goes, I haven't lost the game in six years. This is the worst thing that could have happened. <laughs> the second you lose the game, you're much more likely to lose it. Over and over. On clip. Yeah. Uh, and I, I turned around and I was like, that... That's incredible. Wait, so what are the rules of the game? You think so, of the game and the game starts over? So, All of the history yeah. starts over? So it's like the object, it's just the object of the game is to not think about the game. Yeah. When you think about the game, you have to say, I lost the game. And then it resets 30 minutes later, and then all of a sudden the game is on again. And if you think of it, you have you have to tell everybody. My brother and I have one called um, <laughs> if you say the word sphere. Oh. All time starts over from like the Big Bang till now. It's a it's a rare word to say casually. Sphere. It comes from that that weird movie Sphere. I don't know. We were like on a kick, with oh. like how weird that movie Samuel was. Samuel Jackson. You walk in, yeah, and all yeah, of a sudden yeah. your dreams start becoming real. Was that the plot? yes, yes, yes? Because the squids. I remember the squids. Yeah. That was a weird. What happened? So so it was a big. It was an alien thing that they found. underwater, right? Yeah, and it's a big gold liquid orb, and you would people would walk in. And then walk out and think nothing happened. But then when they dreamed, it think those those became reality. People's nightmares became reality. But I only, wasn't Dustin Hoffman in it. Yes, and Dustin Hoffman does like this, like like really annoying scream, and that's like ha ha. Dustin Hoffman. Oh, he would. He was like the narrator. I think oh. it was Dustin Hoffman and Samuel Jackson. But I I don't remember any of the other ones except the squid. Like what were the other things that? I don't remember too much about it either. Shit. But I we. For some reason, we came up with a game. If you say sphere, what do you mean that, that all of time it, starts again? The presumption is, if you said it's like sphere right now, that it's a reset and you have to go through all time to get back to this moment. Oh shit, that's a long. So it's like, like you know, <laughs> yeah. You have to. Like... The stakes are high, but nobody knows, for the most part, that we're screwing things up. Yeah. But if someone was on the inside, it would just drive them wild. Yeah. So we try not to say it. You ever seen Ad Astra? Uh, I think so. Try my memory. Why Brad, do I? Brad Pitt trying to go find his dad, Tommy, oh, Tommy yeah. Jones. Yeah. It starts out being such a cool movie. And I just saw it two nights ago. We, we can stop the podcast. No, no, no. I saw it two nights ago and it was so, like the, the first part of it, the world building is great and there's these cool moon fights and stuff. And then it's so bad. It's so nothing happens whatsoever and so like emotionally devoid of anything that it was it was terrible when I think back on it. It's so bad, but it's right up my alley for the type of movies I like. Yeah. Which is like space travel in a conceivably like not too distant future. future. Yeah. And like without like uh, a whole bunch of like Star Warsy sort of characters yes. that are like real like unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just outside of what we're doing now. I objectively knew that movie was awful while watching it, mm -hmm. but enjoyed it I, like crazy. I mean, the journey there is incredible. The, the thing where he falls off the tower at the beginning, I was like, very cool. Oh, yeah. That's right. He falls from space and then it like breaks apart. But then he gets to his dad and his dad is like, Are what you a, his a, dad's a dick. His dad's a space terrorist. And so he didn't mean to send all those plasma things, but he did kill everybody in his crew. And then he's like. He's like, I honestly hated you and your mom, and that's why I left Earth. And so then Brad Pitt's next line is, I still love you. Let's go home. And then he's like, yeah, okay. And then, well, I'm ruining it, but you guys aren't going to see it, and you shouldn't see it. 
And then Tommy Lee Jones gets out there with him and literally blasts off and dies and just goes to Neptune, which is the same way that Tommy Lee Jones dies in Space Cowboys. Do you remember Space Cowboys? I don't think I ever saw it. Space Cowboys, Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones. At the end is... To- oh, maybe it's Clint Eastwood. It's either Clint Eastwood or Tommy Lee Jones ends up like on the moon by himself dead. And it's the same thing with him in Neptune. <laughs> I hope someone's like, hey, let's just work from the end of Space Cowboys backwards and create an alternate universe. Whoa. And now that I'm thinking about it, Liv Tyler is an Ad Astra too. And she has a zero role role. She does nothing. She's blurry in the background, most of it. But that, thinking about her in the same universe as like Armageddon with all of the space uh, destruction, potential end of the world type stuff. I wonder if that's the same character. She started out with AJ Frost and ends up with this guy. Do you remember when Kristen Wiig was in that Matt Damon Mars movie? Yes, she was the director of uh, a program, I think. It, her being in that made no sense to me. It, it took you out of it. it. Took me out of it. I was like, it was exciting to see her. It was yeah, it was cool to see her do that. But also, I was like, I see Kristen Wiig and I want her. I want to yeah. laugh. Did you see? I agree because because the first thing that I saw Kristen Wiig in was her and that was not a comedy was her and Bill Hader in the skeleton twins. Mm. And it's, it's basically a movie that you watch and they, they try and kill themselves like five times. And (laughs) that's the whole movie. And you're just like, okay, Kristen, Kristen and Bill, I would love for you guys to do the Robin Williams, Jim Carrey thing of getting into true drama. I think you, you can absolutely do it. You're talented enough, but don't hit me with it all at once. Yeah. Ease me into it. Yeah. Do a a patch Adams where it's like, (laughs) you're still funny, but it's also got the drama pieces. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I can't get, I can't get there so quickly. I hated that movie. Huh. We can stop it now. No, no, because we, we have good, to keep going. Good momentum, but I also I think maybe that's a healthy time to stop. <laughs> a perfect time to stop. Um, I also been doing this thing where like I'll stop the podcast and then like the person I'm with, I'm like, we have like a 30, 30 minutes more of conversation. We're like, oh yeah, 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 I want to talk about. Oh, or it's like, or because I turned record off. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, here's something I actually want to tell you. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like with me and you, we. We know each other well enough by talking about like m- current events and pop culture when we when we were at the climbing gym, but we still have only known each other for f- five months or so, and so we still have stories that we haven't heard, which is fun. Yeah, yeah. What a delight! Yes, thank you Jeff, so much thank for you having so much me. For doing this. this is great. Should I have asked you more questions? I feel like you did it perfectly. Sometimes I feel like are, does the guest do you want to hear some of the cool stories, <laughs> or is it better to do you know engaging the host more? I'm going to give you a lot of notes once we're done. Yeah. Once I hit the we record should, button. We should have been eating progressively hotter wings <laughs> throughout this. Or uh, wings. drinking more and more water and seeing yeah. who has to go pee, which is actually me right now. Sure. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. bye. Come on. Dance appetite. Dance to the middle.